0: You're listening to the Ame Radio Show. Yay!
1: Welcome to the Ame Radio Show, the show that is the voice of artists and entertainers everywhere. I'm your host Jason Dowd. We got a great show for you guys today. A couple of great guests coming on, and I'm going to be talking to you about a question that I get asked a lot. And you know what? I'm gonna. I think it's it's a good advice for everybody. So we're going to be talking about that here in just a few minutes. But before we get into anything, please check out our website. It's www.theamemagazine.com. There you'll find everything about the AME experience on our radio, television, and magazine. You can see links to our social media networks. Download our apps for free. See what we got coming up and more. So go up there and be inspired when you get the chance. Okay, so our guests today are going to be Jack Grossman. He wrote an incredible book. Uh, it's called The Child of the Forest, and it's about a true life story of a child that survived the Holocaust by living in a forest and not being discovered for two years. Now, if anybody knows, Poland is a very cold place. This is where she was uh, for the winter time. She managed to survive, and she told her story. She just passed away a few years ago. And I think this is something that we really need to, to read and understand because it shows the strength of people, but it also shows us about a time that we do not want to repeat in the world ever. We just don't want to do it. So we're going to be talking to him about this book and this incredible uh, this incredible young lady when she was and uh, and talk about her life as well. So we're going to learn a lot from there. Then we have M- Rebecca Metz coming up. She is on a new th- new show called uh, Better Things on FX, and she's also on Disney's Coop and Cammy's T- uh, Ask the World. I think you guys are going to really love these shows. I-, I actually, I've seen her on a lot of stuff. This is a, a great time for me because I love talking to people that I've seen a lot of their work with and I really get to, you know understand where they where how they got here you know I think that's really important uh, she is a wonderful person and I cannot wait to be able to talk to her about everything that she's got going on in her life and uh, of course these new shows so we're gonna be doing that in just a few minutes okay so the question that seems to be asked uh, to me a lot is how do I get more traffic to my website or how do I get more interviews on my on my radio show because people see what I have here and I, There's so much information. I think I'm going to have to do this over a couple weeks span, but we're going to start here by talking about what's the objective. Okay, so when we're going to talk about traffic to our website, what do we want that traffic to do? Do we just want a hit? Do we want people to interact? Do we want people to buy? Uh, You know, There's a lot of different aspects of why people would come to a website. So one of the things that I'm going to tell you is, your website is extremely important, and that if, that if that's your your radio show, if it's your business, if it's um, whatever it is, uh, navigation is extremely important. See, search engine optimization is extremely important too. But I'll tell you what: if people cannot find things on your website, or your website is jumbled, or your website isn't appealing, or your website takes a long time to load. These are going to be things that are going to be factors that cause people to jump off the bandwagon, and get out. That's where you usually see about a thirty to, you know, twenty to thirty second stay on, and that's it. And if, and if the front page doesn't catch them, they're not going to stay there. So, when you're designing your website, I want you to really consider a couple of different things. Uh, first of all, I was in retail for a long time, and there's a trick to retail. So when you walk in the first 10 to 20 feet in a circle, circular diameter is where you got to attract your people. If you can't attract them right there to where they feel like they you have what they want or you're going to give them the service that they want, they leave or they don't buy as much. So, think of your homepage as the same thing. When people come to your homepage, they want to be invited. They want to sh- to see that you are not just tooting your own horn, but you're going to actually give them something valuable to be there for and then also when you go to a store what do you think about do you think about man have you ever gone down through like target and you see like those horizontal aisles and then the vertical idols and stuff like that so it makes you go all over the store that's kind of confusing that is designed to keep people in the store for a little bit longer but when you're on a website that's not that's not the case you don't want them to stay on there longer trying to find things you want them to find things to get out in and out so you want to make sure that your navigation is easy to 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 manage you know drop down menus are great you don't ever want to have like one of these big huge mastheads of of text across the top that says home contact and have like these long elaborate type of page names you want to just keep it real simple and and to the point and then you want to have it grouped up the way that it needs to be grouped up. So you don't want to have like a media section inside of a inside of a um, a blog. You want to have that defined, whatever it may be. Uh, so have it have it in its own category. But choose what what is really important there, because not everything needs to be up on your navigation bar. And also, you want to make sure that your website is responsive it doesn't matter what you're doing, what you're selling, or what have you. If your website is not responsive and it does not conform to your tablet or your phone, and, you know, so the the, the text gets bigger and it kind of strips out a lot of the, the hoopla that makes uh, a website pretty, that's because it's meant to be functional and on, you know, different types of speeds of internet. So it also needs to, to turn around and everything else. If you're Site is not responsive, you're automatically going to get hit 50% against Google. That's one of the biggest things that they look for. So make sure that you have a responsive website. And if you don't make it responsive, it's easier to make a blog responsive, uh, like with WordPress or Joomla than it is HTML, but it is possible to make it that way for HTML. Okay. So structure of your website is extremely important. In fact, it's probably one of the first things you need to worry about more so than the search engine optimization later on down the line. Because if your layout's not good, it doesn't matter how much you search engine optimize or how much you pay for AdWords, you're not going to get the response because people are going to show up there for just a few seconds and leave. And you don't want to pay that. And then have them show up there and say, oh, this is garbage and get the heck out, right? So really worry about your your structure of your website and there's going to be some other parts that we're going to be working on in the next couple of weeks too Uh, one of them is search engine optimization the second part is that you want to have good fresh content and we're going to be talking about that probably next week and then what we're also going to be talking about is is when you're trying to get things to your website you want to have keywords that are important and that will drive your your people to your website so we're running out of time here. I, I can't really get into too, too, too much more. But I am willing to help out anybody that does this. I have I do design websites uh, for and have been doing it for a long time. So if you have any questions about anything, just email me directly. You can email me directly at the radio show, which is uh, theameexperience at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-A-M-E-experience at gmail.com. And like I said this is going to be over the next couple of weeks I have to break it down there's just too much to cover and I want to keep it as fresh and simple as I can because we don't have a lot of time before we get into the rest of the stuff that we have but I'm going to hope I, I really hope that these tips will help you drive more traffic to your website but it also will will help you um, get the results that you want whatever that may be Oh, and one other thing that we're going to be talking about in the upcoming weeks is what you put in it is what you get out of it. And that's very important, too. And a lot of people forget about that. Okay, guys. So uh, that's what I have for you with this particular section. Uh, Next week, we're going to be doing another one. And I will continue to do this uh, until we have the whole thing covered up. So if you miss something, just go back to a – this will be our first week. So just keep going back and looking, and we will uh, go from there alright guys that's all I have I'm going to take a quick commercial break we're going to come back and we'll have Jack Grossman on the line talking about his book and this incredible woman that has uh, survived one of the worst times of our history and lives to tell about it and her story will also be inspiration for others so don't go anywhere we'll be right back after this I'm Gladdy the Dachshund the face of Gladdy's goodies are you worried about your pet's health? My parents were too, especially since I developed pancreatitis. They couldn't find any treats I could eat, so they made some. Our natural treats are healthy for all dogs, with and without health issues. We have lots of delicious flavors like chicken, turkey, salmon, sweet potato, beef, and more. With our homemade treats, you won't worry about the contents because they have no chemicals, fillers, or bad ingredients. Go to GladysGoodies.com now to get your fur friend a bag. And pick them up some swag while you're there. You'll be glad you did. Remember, we have the treats and swag to make their tails wag. Again, that's GladysGoodies.com. Again, that's GladysGoodies.com. Hey, I am Dana L. Davis, and I have a book coming out May 28th. From Inkyard Press, the book is called The Voice in My Head. Um, the book is about a young girl who is trying to save her ailing twin sister, and she starts to hear a voice in her head, a voice that she thinks is the voice of God. And so guided by this voice, her entire family, I think there's ten of them all together, hops in an old paratransit bus and takes a trip cross-country. It's a fun ride. Again, it comes out May 28th. Check out my website, DanaLDavis.com because I'm going to be going on a book tour and I hope to see you guys out. Thank
0: you. Bye. Hi, I'm Serena Vincent and you're listening to the A&E Radio Show.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We have online line with us our special guest. His name is Jack Grossman. He is an author of a nonfiction, historical, biographical book called Child of the Forest. And I'll tell you what, I've seen some of the the uh, the Amazon reviews from this, and it's quite, it's quite awesome. I'm going to read some of them to you. It says, This book shook me to the core. Extraordinary story of strength and human spirit. Fabulously written. Couldn't put the book down. Amazing and inspiring story. A must-read. Brilliant and haunting and a compelling book a compelling book of love hate and survival if that doesn't trick your trigger i don't know what will but we're going to talk to him about this book his inspiration behind the book and so much more so welcome to the show jack how you doing
0: hey i'm doing awesome thank you jason
1: oh you're welcome thank you for coming on and, and taking some time to talk with me about your book and uh some of the things that you love the most so let's learn a little bit about you when did you when did you get into writing well, actually, I
0: started this project uh, trying to develop the feature film based on the same story, Child of the Forest. But in 2016, I connected with my co-author James Buchanan, and that's when I shifted gears from the film to the book.
1: Interesting. Have you have you always been wanting to to write since you were a kid, or was this something that kind of just kind of sprung on you? Because I know everybody everybody gets a passion for something, it's just a matter of when it happens in their life.
0: Yeah, that's kind of crazy, but I've had a desire to write a book for a long time. Um, I've owned an ad agency where I did a lot of uh, writing for advertising, and we won quite a few awards, and you know, I've written some uh, TV commercials and radio jingles and all of that. So uh, this was a little bit different, but I was inspired by the story that I heard to pursue, uh,
1: you know, this project, writing the book and producing the film.
0: Hmm.
1: What was the story about uh, that you heard that inspired this one?
0: Well, in 2006, I took a trip to the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and firsthand I heard uh, a little lady, uh, older lady, tell her story. Uh, her name is Charlene Perlmutter-Schiff, and it was a story of how when she was 12 years old, she lived in a, a small town in eastern Poland uh, that was invaded by the Nazis in 1941, and the town was uh, actually decimated, and out of 5,000 Jews, only two survived, and she was one of the two. The The story is riveting, um, it's harrowing, and she actually survived in the forests of eastern Poland alone, uh, spanning three winters over two years.
1: Wow. I mean, I'll tell you that's 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 an amazing story. I love hearing stories like that, but I hate that somebody had to go through that to be, have a story like that.
0: Exactly, um, and you know, I think it's uh, very timely to tell this story now. And um, you know, her her desire was to eradicate genocide and to eradicate what she called the four evil eyes, which are ignorance, intolerance, indifference, and
1: injustice. What did her story? teach you as a as a about human life survival and the passion to survive in itself
0: well that is a a great question the the really haunting thing about this story is that i think it's one of humanity's darkest times obviously Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just six million jews that were targeted and that were murdered but there were six million others uh there were gypsies uh poles people from poland uh, blacks, handicapped people. I mean, there were a lot of people that were singled out to be murdered because they didn't fit into Hitler's idea of, of the perfect race. So, um, you know, the story is, is very, very telling. But what I learned about survival from Charlene is crazy because during all this darkness, and she was only 50 miles away from one of the death camps when she was in the forest, um, was that the thing that allowed her to survive was love. And, you know, you'll have to read the book to, to find out how that played a role in it. But ultimately, that is, you know, what allowed her to live.
1: Wow. And you wouldn't think that, but
0: no, you wouldn't.
1: That's yeah. a, that's a, that's an amazing concept. Yeah. So how much research went into a story like this? Did you actually physically talk to her afterwards and, and collaborate stories with her? Or was it something oh, sure. that you just yeah. kind of looked up and, and read about uh, online and stuff?
0: Well, actually, I became dear friends with Charlene, and we saw each other quite a few times, uh, and we spoke on the phone regularly, um, but I'll tell you that my co-author, James Buchanan, did a tremendous amount of research uh, that was critical for the um, the writing of this book.
1: And with the so research... A
0: lot of research went into it in terms of uh, geography, in terms of chronology, the timeline, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the languages that were spoken at the time and various mm-hmm. phrases that uh, the Germans used. Um, yeah, so there's actually, uh, for the film, there'll be a dialect coach, obviously, but, um, you know, we're talking accents, we're talking Ukrainian, Polish, Russian, German, and Yiddish accents all into one film.
1: Wow. How, how long did it take you to then put the, the movie together together? I mean the the book together well, because you had to do this research did it really kind of push it and prolong it did it take extra long to to uh, to make the to write physically write the book then afterwards
0: it was it was a two year span so I guess That's not too bad. I guess in in some ways it was uh, you know it, it did take longer maybe than it normally would have uh, the interesting thing is when I met her in 2006 I started working on the film first so I had a lot of those components in place that were I kind of derailed by the economic crash in uh, 2008. I had a near-death stroke in 2010 that initially left me totally paralyzed on one side of my body. Wow. Um, Charlene passed away in 2013. So there were a lot of obstacles. But now that the book uh, is complete and has been getting amazing reviews, and I've had uh, a lot of radio exposure, TV exposure, uh, newspaper, magazine, I even got voted Citizen of the Year, here in our community for 2018, uh, you know, a lot of the pieces for the film are already in
1: place. You know, it's it's really cool to know that even though she's not here anymore, her story will still live on, and I think that's important because you know, if we don't if we don't keep the stuff fresh, we forget it, and it's bound to happen again, sadly enough.
0: Absolutely, history will repeat itself. And one thing that I've really enjoyed is that I've been speaking to a lot of schools, a lot of classrooms. Uh, One of our local school systems, I was able to speak to 1,000 students over a two-day period. Um, And it was just uh, condensed into uh, classes of 60, back to back to back to back. Um, And it was just amazing to see how the children interacted and became engaged in the conversation discussing hatred and bullying and the holocaust and um you know there are future there are hopes so uh it was really great to see that um there is an interest and they do care and uh, you know i think we're going to be in good hands if we can overcome a few things here as as uh, humanity
1: well i know for one thing when i first went to the holocaust museum here in st petersburg i know it's not anything as nearly as big and and impressive as the one in washington dc but I think if you have one around you, this is something that really everybody should go see at least once. It's not the easiest museum to go through, and it is fascinating, but, and it, but it'll, it'll grab at your heart. And when you see these things, it will make you realize that this really did happen. It's not just a story in our history books that people are making up. This really happened. Millions of people were, were eradicated off of the earth, and it wakes you up to what's around you. And I think everybody if they have the opportunity to do that should go at least see something like that. And then when you take a book that you wrote and it actually has somebody's real life story of survival that was, you know, to to avoid death camp, but I don't, I don't know what's I don't know if it was any different from a death camp other than she wasn't tortured, you know, but she still was facing the, the her mortality every single solitary day living out in the elements like that. And Poland has some pretty crazy weather. I'm sure that that's just as compelling and, 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 and heart-wrenching and, and and if she even wasn't in, in one of these types of death camps.
0: Oh, You hit it right on the nose. In her own words, she said that death was always one step behind me. And the crazy thing is, throughout the entire book and the story, you know, she's always looking over her shoulder and staying on the run because she was being hunted. And there was a reward if you, if you killed her or brought her in. One of these death camps, but to give you an idea of how that stuck with her, because she was basically 12, 13, 14 years old while she had this experience, and when I met her in her uh, 70s, and um, you know, rubbed through into uh, you know her, her death in 19 uh, uh, in 2013, um, you know that she would drive down the road and look at both sides of the road and see forest and brush you know, as we typically do along the sides of the road. And she would think to herself, is this thick enough for me to hide in? Uh, That gives you an idea how she never, never lost that fear and never got rid of the intensity
1: of of being hunted. Wow. I'll tell you what, that just sends chills down your spine. And, you know, it's amazing what what she was able to think about at that age in order to survive, because a lot of people don't have that common sense now being faced in yeah. in a, in, a, in a situation as a child she still was able to overcome that and that's that's fantastic. Oh
0: yeah, it's yeah, it's um it's not really pleasant when you read the book when you find out what she ate, what she had to do to live um you know, that was really tough, but she did it and I'll tell you she is my my role model, my hero I do a lot of nonprofit work. I've met a ton of celebrities probably up to 200 and some celebrities from sports and Hollywood and even rock and roll music. And uh, you would think maybe I would choose one of them as a, as a role model, but none of them can hold a candle to Charlene Schiff. She was incredible. She was the kindest, most humble soul I ever met in my entire life. Now you would think that she would be extremely bitter and angry and, and, you know, just full of hate. And that was the exact opposite with amazing. So what I got out of her story and the book, too, is, um, you know, let's say I'm outside and I'm scraping my windshield. It's got frost on it, and I'm complaining. I'm running late for a meeting. My fingers are freezing from the shavings coming off the credit card scraping. And, and then I'll stop, and I'll go, Jack, what the heck are you doing, man? Think of Charlene. You know, three winners, two years alone in, in the forests of eastern Poland. Brutal winners, you know. This is nothing get over it. And I do immediately. And I've had a lot of people that have read the book tell me the same thing, that they think about her every day. And when they complain about something that they deem to be very stressful, and then they go, wait a minute, this is nothing compared to what she went through. So she's had a tremendous impact on a lot of people's lives already.
1: And you know, sometimes we're put here on earth to go through some pretty horrible things in order to change at least one life along the way. And that makes it worth it. And, you know, we don't always think about that at the time. But, you know, that, that just means every, every life has meaning. Even if, it, even if you don't yes. think that you have a meaning in your life, it does, you do have a meaning. You are going to touch somebody in some way, and, you, and your experiences will help other people along the way so they don't follow the same route that you do. And, um, you know, I think we forget that as a human being, as a human species sometimes, that, you know, this is, we're, we're here for a reason. Sometimes you have to go through some of the worst things, but in the end, your experience could change the world. And, Absolutely. Know, it's sometimes it's not, you know, because everybody wants to commit suicide, you know, in, in bad situations or or that they 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 just completely stop living because they, they don't think that it's worth living anymore. But it's amazing. You don't know what's going to happen afterwards and and what people are going to see that you went through and how you can help change a life. And I think that's a, 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 probably a very good moral to the story as well. Very good point,
0: Jason. And she used to ask me all the time. Jack, why did I live? Why did I live? So many died, so many perished. Why did I live? And I would tell her the same thing every time, and that was Charlene, so we can tell your story to the world. So you look at at the impact that she has had on many thousands of people, and she's just one person, you know? And I've been told by a radio host that interviewed me, he said, well, look at you. You're one person that decided to tell her story to the world, and that was my promise to her. You know, my promise to her was that, you know, this will happen. We will tell your story to the entire world. um, And then you can leave behind your legacy of eradicating genocide. So people can have a huge impact. And, and, you know, some know it, some don't know it. But I agree with you. Um, You know, we all have a value.
1: Yeah, it's just a matter of of waiting through through the tough thickness of of the brush like she was living in to see the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Very well said,
1: yeah. So with this book now, I know you say you wanted to to make it into a potential movie. What are are the steps you're trying to do to make that happen? Well,
0: we've identified uh, the studio, which is in South Carolina. We've identified the raw land for the outdoor scenes. I've got a a production partner, uh, Bert Hess, who's going to be the co-executive producer in his uh, company, Studio South. Will be the production partner on it, and then we've got the studios, Global Studios in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. So we have a lot of elements in place. I've even identified, even though I'm not the casting director, uh, uh, mother and daughter to potentially play the roles of Charlene and her mother. Um, you know, so we're filling in the blanks, and I'm currently working on some funding deals that uh, hopefully we'll start negotiating here in the next. 30 to 60 days, and then we'll be off and running once we uh, you know, acquire the funds to start the project.
1: Now, what about a screenplay for this? Are you going to be writing that, or are you going to be turning that over to somebody else that has uh, experience writing a screenplay?
0: Yeah, and that's also a great question, and, and you're correct there. You know, um, I have two sample 10-page writings right now from uh, other individuals because screenplays are a totally different thing than uh, writing a book. Um, so I am, you know, I, I know my limits and I know where, um, you know, where I need to rely on experts and that's one area. Uh, so, um, you know, there's some challenges when you read the book that we've got to overcome and how to produce them in a film, you know, because we're, we're we're taking something that, uh, you know, is just very literal and, and is, you know, even though it's extremely descriptive, there are some Uh, challenges that we've got to overcome and and how to do that and bring it to the big screen. But we've already uh, got several really great ideas on how to do that.
1: Now, I don't really want to, I know I'm kind of like backtracking on this, but you did say, you know, her her and her mother. Was her mother part of this, living with her during this time as they were trying to survive in the forest, or was it just basically her?
0: It was her. And in fact, there are a a lot of uh, times when she would dig these pits at night alone, You can imagine this with the Holocaust going on around you and being just a few short miles from death camps and, uh, you know, what she just witnessed of of her town being decimated and and people turning on her that were supposed to be friends and and neighbors and such. She would dig these little pits and kind of bury herself in them at night, cover herself herself up with twigs and leaves, and she referred to those as her little grave, Um, very poignant, so... No, she was alone. There were encounters in the forest with other people, and um, it's just unbelievable the journey that she was on and and how many times she escaped death, and really it was just miracle after miracle after miracle.
1: And you don't have to answer this if it's going to give away too much of the plot, but obviously at that time, you know, a lot of families were completely separated, and I don't know if her mom had died in in that attack on on the city or if she was captured and taken to a concentration camp or something like that. Um, did her mother die at that attack or was she, or did she survive or was she ever reunited with her, she, with her mother?
0: She was never reunited. She did survive the initial escape um, and I'll tell you that that is probably going to be the most intense scene in the movie um, as it is in the book. It's certainly one of the most jolting uh, scenes whereby they become separated and you know, I guess I'll just leave it at that. But, okay. um, you know, you you picked really the most incredible, uh, you know, and and one of the most horrific scenes in
1: in the book. Oh, I'm sure I, that's got to be the most heart wrenching, yeah. anyways. Because I mean, you you see, you can even even just talking to you on the phone, I could I could picture it. And she's screaming out for her mom, her mom's screaming out for her, and they're being torn in different directions. You know, chaos going all around, and they probably know that that might be the last time they ever see each other alive. And, you know, that, that just rips at somebody's heart if they have a heart.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's even more subtle than that. You're correct about the chaos going around, but the the, the separation is even more subtle than that, which uh, maybe even makes it worse. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is definitely one of the scenes that I'm asked most about when I do my book readings.
1: Well, Jack, I could talk to you about this for a long time, but we actually have, we're running out of time, and I want to be able to get in the ability for you to tell everybody where they can get the book, where they can follow up on the progress in the movie and anything like that, so people can go read this thing and and enjoy it.
0: Yes, I appreciate that. If they go to jackgrossman.com, J-A-C-K-G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N.com, uh, you know, um, I've got uh, paperbacks, and I've got hardbacks, and I will sign every book that goes out, and um, I think that makes it kind of nice, because they're personalized, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll sign it specifically to you, so if they go to jackgrossman.com, they'll get a great deal on a very, very high quality book, and I hate to say this, but higher quality than what Amazon is putting out there, so I put a lot of... Uh, effort into making sure that these were absolutely gorgeous um, and I've received many reviews and I'm actually up for a, a big award from the Independent Book Publishers Association as a finalist for a Benjamin Franklin Award uh, which I'll know the outcome here in about three weeks.
1: Oh congratulations keep me, keep me updated on that because definitely what I'll do is if, if you get it I'll announce it on my radio show um, one quick question though before we go do you have a picture of her in this book? Uh, it's not in this printing, but I've had enough people ask
0: about it. We're uh, just a couple days ago I talked to my publisher about adding a handful of photos and a map of the area that she covered while on the run in uh, eastern Poland. So it will be in a future edition. Awesome.
1: Well, this has been fantastic. You know, I love hearing stories about this because it's so it's so life changing and it opens up our eyes. And I'm hoping that her story will continue to impact people along the way. And realize that you know if we if we ignore our past, we're we're bound to repeat it, and this could happen again. And we cannot we can never let that happen. But um, you know, thank you for coming on and sharing this story. And I hope her story continues to live on. I cannot wait to see this thing come to a mo- uh, a movie too. I'm hoping that you 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 will make that happen really yeah. really soon. And thank you for for doing what you've done.
0: Thank you so much, Jason. And I'll see that you get a couple tickets to the red carpet premiere.
1: I would be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> Count count on it. All right. All right, guys. We are out of time. We are going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this.
2: Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures, or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out Internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey everybody this is john schneider i want you to listen to my new music and i want you to watch my new movies how do you do that simple go to the app store and get the john schneider app by the way you're listening to the ame radio show and so am i
2: hey everyone it's lou lambrose from stuck in the middle and you are listening to ame radio show do
1: Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have on the line with us our special guest. Her name is Rebecca Metz. She plays Jenna Rather on Coop and Cami Ask Ask the World on Disney Channel, and she's also on FX's Better Things, where she plays Teresa, and we're going to be talking to her about her career. We're going to be talking about these these shows here and so much more. We're going to really have some fun. So welcome to the show, Rebecca. How are you doing today?
2: Thank you so much. I'm really well. I just want to correct one thing. I'm Tressa on Better Things. Tressa. That show is packed with people with unusual names. See, Tressa. Yeah.
1: This is where I have my dyslexia, because that's exactly how I wrote it, but it's not how I said it. <laughs> Gotta it's love a it. It's weird.
2: I mean, I actually know a Tressa, but only one. I think it's a pretty, pretty unusual name.
1: That is a really unusual name, but it's a really cool name. Yeah. I like, I like, how, I like how it rolls off the tongue. Actually, it's easier to say like than Teresa. Too.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I'm glad you're able to, to to join me here today. I'm, ha- I'm gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun talking uh, about how you got into this stuff and of course these shows. Now, how did you get into acting? What what inspired it for you?
2: Oh gosh, I I always credit it to the Muppet Show. I grew up when the Muppet Show was airing, uh, you know, the first time around, and mm-hmm. I just remember watching. It was mostly the backstage stuff. It was all the shenanigans and all the chaos backstage to kind of keep things looking like they were running smoothly on stage, and it just felt like. They felt like my people, even though they were animal puppets. Something about it just connected with me, and I uh, started going to arts camps and, and doing local theater and school theater kind of as soon as I could. My parents were both singers, and they did some theater with the um, choruses that they sang with, and so I, I got to sort of be around that. Um, but uh, I So I did classes and camps and shows as much as I could uh, through... High school, and then, um, decided to take it up seriously in college, and that was it. I've sort of been focused on this for a long, long time.
1: Wow, the Muppet Show. That's pretty cool. I love the Muppet Show. What was your, <laughs> who was your favorite Muppet?
2: I, mean, I don't, I don't have a favorite. It's impossible to choose, although these days, the ones I love, there's two. There was Crazy Harry, who used to, um, run in and blow things yes. up. And then there was New Zealand, who threw boomerang fish.
1: Mm. Um,
2: yep. lately, they're speaking to me. I don't know why. Um, my favorite changes, hmm. but those those two are the ones that I've been thinking of fondly lately.
1: Mine are mine are the Swedish Chef and I love Beaker. Those have been my my oh, favorites.
2: absolutely classics. Those of them. You like the ones with the real hands. They both had yeah like <clears throat> puppeteer's hands as their hands. That's interesting. I wonder what that says about you.
1: I never, you know, I never thought about that, but you're right. They do both have real hands.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Swedish chef is, uh, someone Someone recently asked me to do a Swedish accent, and I went right into Swedish chef, and I was like, see?
1: Wow, uh, you can actually do a Swedish accent? I actually accent?
2: learned something. Wow. I'm sure it's offensive and totally inappropriate. Like not <laughs> it's an actual Swedish accent, because I was speaking nonsense. But I felt qualified.
1: <laughs> that does qualify. If you, even if you can kind of make some of the accent, it's, it's, it's awesome.
2: Because
1: yeah. that's not an easy no. one to do.
2: No, <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> so... Now uh, that now that you got got into some of these uh, major shows, have you ever done anything like theater, or anything like that before that as well? Because I know theater's a popular way. Oh yeah, I did a way.
2: ton of theater. Yeah, what? I did a ton of theater. Um, that's kind of where I started doing local and community theater and theater all through school, and then um, I went to Carnegie Mellon, which is a classical theater training program. So lots of theater all through college, and then when I got to Los Angeles, one of the first things I did was join a theater company. There's a company out here called Open Fist Theater Company that I joined as kind of, you know, at college I was used to having this tight community of people that I did theater with and and I felt like finding a place to have that kind of community in L.A. would be one of the best ways to, to make that a smooth transition. And so I did a lot of small local theater in L.A. for years and still look for opportunities to do it. I do play reading and stuff all the time. Theater's kind of my roots and something I'm always going to go back to as much as I can.
1: I love theater myself, but I am horrified of doing it because, I mean, if I had to do something, I think going in front of live people like that, knowing that I could forget a line, that, that horrifies me. So I don't know why it does. Um, maybe I had something happen to me when I was younger or something. I don't know, but um, I, I know that would probably be hard to do, but I would love to try to tackle it and overcome it. You know, it is I think a fear. it's
2: natural to find that horrifying. It's that every once in a while, when I'm up on stage, I will, a little voice in my head will go, It is crazy what you're doing. Look <laughs> at what you're doing. And you just, I mean, you have to get that voice out of your head as soon as possible and refocus back on what you're doing because that's a sure way to screw yourself up. But, um, the like, the fear, the charge I get from going out live in front of an audience is part of what keeps me going back to it. It's really an adrenaline rush.
1: Oh, I bet it is. I can only imagine. I mean, I think I was on stage one time when I was in kindergarten and I was doing something weird with my hands because I was fascinated with, <laughs> I was literally fascinated with, with, uh, dry, with, uh, uh, car washes back then, you know, with those big brushes coming down. Huh. So that's what uh-huh. I was doing up there. <laughs> I'm like I was mimicking a big brush. I mean, I bet
2: it was interesting to watch. Yeah, I watch. I bet, interesting to watch. Did you hear what I just said? I bet. I bet you were like interesting for the audience to pay attention to, which is what it's all about.
1: Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I definitely stood out, that's for sure. my mom's probably sitting there, putting <laughs> her hands in her her hands over. Her. I was like, "What is he doing? Come on, stop." <laughs> well, that's it's really cool. Expressing yourself. So, what do you like the most about being an actor? Uh, is it is it playing different different roles? I love to I love to hear everybody's perspective of it because it's so it's it's so varies among people but you know there's different characters you get to play you get to try out different yeah. situations you get to see different places and, and stuff what do you love the most about it
2: um it's hard to articulate the, the best way i can describe it is when i was a kid when i was a little kid i used to genuinely believe that if i focused hard enough on another person i could see out of their eyes like i could see what they were seeing and i think that was kind of the beginning, the seed of my acting impulse. I think, I think what I really love about it is stepping into another person's circumstances and experiencing the world through someone else, the way somebody else might see it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's sort of like a, a constant exercise in empathy, like putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And I mean, fundamentally, I think that's what I love most about it is, is, getting to kind of explore a variety of perspectives and different ways of looking at the world, if
1: that makes sense. Absolutely. What a concept. And, and, you know, you don't always yeah. think of it like that, but I can literally see that. As you were saying that I could, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, hmm, let me think about this person. I could see myself through their eyes. And that's, that's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. That's, that's a powerful image to, to create.
2: Yeah. Like what a way, <clears throat> what a thing to do for a living, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, yeah, that's kind of my favorite thing about it. Like, I, on, on Coop and Cami, and on Better Things, I play single working mom. I'm not a mom. I'm not single. But I get to kind of step into those shoes and feel a little bit what that might be like. I've had friends say to me that my character in Coop and Cami is what they think I would be like as a mom. I don't get to know that, but I get to kind of try it out. Like, what a fun job.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, Absolutely. And, and and speaking of those particular shows here, uh, I'd love to be able to get into those a, a, as well. And I guess we'll start off with FX, uh, which is Better Things. You play uh, Tressa. I'll get it right this time. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go uh, go ahead and do my dyslexia thing. But tell me a little bit about your character on FX's uh, Better Things.
2: So Better Things is about a character named Sam Fox, who is played by Pamela Adlon. It is semi-autobiographical about her life. She plays a single mom, who is a working actor, all of which is true of Pam, as well as Sam. And Tressa is her talent manager and one of her closest friends. So we get to see Tressa and Sam kind of in professional context and in their personal friendship. And there's a little bit of overlap and bleeding over, as there often is in those kinds of relationships. And So we get to see how that gets complicated. So Tressa is one of the people in Sam's life who is always around kind of helping her raise her kids, involved in the family, getting all tangled up in whatever is going on. And um, that's, that's kind of the world of that show, all that messiness.
1: Well, I guess that's kind of, the, kind of the, the, the role that we get as friends of people that have kids, too. We kind of always get messed up in it, even if we don't have our own kids ourselves. So I guess yeah. I, that's, a, that's a really good uh, thing that, that your friend on there would want you to probably be a part of as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've heard that phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. So, um, mm-hmm. trust is part of Sam's village. And I think you're right. A lot of us who have friends with kids know what that feeling is to be part of the village that pitches in that family of choice that kind of is a part of a kid's life, whether they're our kids or not.
1: Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, what's amazing about the ability to, to, be with somebody with a with a single that that is a single parent is that you can also teach that child along the way too, and I think that that 's mm-hmm. what 's so much fun about it you know i mean i don 't have kids myself, but I get to I love talking to my friends kids and teaching them different things and showing them dif- different things and you know my friend comes down from New Hampshire and we go on um he comes we meet him at the Disney World down here in Orlando. And,
2: you know, mm-hmm.
1: I, I get to do some fun things with these little kids and, and, and try them and show them new ways. And I, I actually kind of get as, as crazy as a kid sometimes, so it's fun, you know? I get yeah, that concept of that character. it's a great way to sort of
2: relive your own childhood, and then you get to give them back to their parents.
1: Exactly. perfect. <laughs> you sugar them up, and then you give them back to their parents. So That's what you do. Yep. Yep, that's right. <laughs> so what type of a role do you have on here? Is it, is it going to be a, like a constant recurring role? or Is it a full-time role? Or is it like a, uh, you show up here and there?
2: Um I have been recurring for uh, Better Things is in this third season right now and I've been recurring since the very beginning. So um it's, it's yeah that's what it is. It's so I'm recurring on Better Things and series regular uh, in every episode on. Coop.
1: Hmm. Now, with this particular it was
2: something getting to me on both of those shows.
1: With this particular show, um how long have you how um did you get this one before Coop and Cammy?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I started doing better, oh, I'm terrible years, but I started doing better things in 2016, 2016, 2016, I think. I don't know. I'd have to check my own IMDb. But um, I started doing better things while still on Shameless, which is another show that I recurred on for a few seasons, and then um, and Coop and Cammie came along later, so um, both shows have been really cool about working it out so that I'm able to do both, which was really important
1: to me. Absolutely, and what do you like the most about Better Things? Uh, what's your favorite part of the show?
2: Oh, I love so much about it. It is it. It's really um, in a way that's different from any show I've ever worked on. It is really a reflection of Pamela Adlon's vision. Like she um, she runs the writers' room. She stars in it. She's directed every episode in seasons two and three. She's involved at every level, casting, choosing the crew. She's an she's the showrunner. She's an executive producer. Um, it's really unusual to have someone that involved. It's it's like a craft project. It's like her own craft project. And so, um, it's it's an amazing experience to watch her do all that. I'm sort of secretly, you know, using her as my mentor, watching her pull all of that off. But everyone there, we all kind of everyone in the cast has become friends, and a lot of the crew. So it just feels like kind of hanging out with a bunch of people you'd love to hang out with anyway, and oh yeah, we're making a show at the same time, which is an awfully nice way to spend the day.
1: Absolutely. You know?
2: That's and cool. the writing is excellent, and the nature of the work is grounded and real and emotional, and it's it's technically a comedy, but it has all kinds of real heart and emotion and feelings in it too. Pam calls it the feelings show sometimes. Mm. Um, so it's it's just, you get to do kind of the whole... Range of
1: human experience on that show, which is
2: you know can't ask more than that as an actor. Absolutely,
1: right. absolutely. And you know, you said something important there. Good writing in it. You know, there's a lot of shows today, and I can tell it's it's tough. It, the writing isn't as as great out there. And If you have yeah. a show that's really well written, man, those things can last for for seasons after seasons after seasons. It's the ones that seem to have the the eh, writing with they don't last very long.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they last a long time, and they're so satisfying to work on it you just feel taken care of like every thing you get to do and say as an actor is just this delicious gift that's so much fun to do whereas sometimes you know we've all worked on shows where your job as an actor is to make crappy writing sound better mm-hmm. which is actually weirdly i'm realizing something into in of better thing where uh teaching an actor. That's what she says it's like anybody can make writing and if you can take bad writing and make it sound good, you'll work as an actor, which is true. But fortunately, on better things, we do not have to do that. We get a gift of good writing,
1: <laughs> and that's important. That's for, that's for sure. Yeah. And now you're staying busy. I mean, you got so many different things going on here. That's amazing. And, that, and congratulations to be able to stay busy because it's tough. I know that. Um, but Thank you're also you. yeah. you're also on uh, Coop and Cami Ask the World, which is a brand new show mm-hmm. that pretty much came out. I think what about six months ago or something like that on Disney? Yeah, channel.
2: Yeah. October we started. Yeah.
1: So tell me a little bit about that show.
2: So Coop and Cammie Ask the World is a Disney channel multi-camera show. So it kind of feels like a sitcom. Um, I play Jenna Rather, who is the mom on the show of four Rather kids, including Coop and Cammie. And there's also a neighbor friend named Fred who's around. So it's me and five kids. Um, the, and I'm a single working mom. The, the dad in the family we find out in the pilot passed away two years ago. And so mom is about to start dating again, which is, I think, uh, you know, kind of a departure for Disney Channel to have that kind of storyline. And um, it was really exciting and important to me for kids with single parents to get to see themselves represented on television. Like, I think it's really important for all different kinds of families to get to see themselves. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I I feel a real sense of pride and responsibility in kind of representing single working moms on TV who are dating and juggling being a parent and, you know, the single earner in a family and trying to have their own dating life. Like, it's a really great character.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I love the show. And that, so,
2: yeah, and Coop, I can't forget the key part. So Coop and Cammie, uh, two of my kids, have a um, an online Would You Rather style show where they sort of go to their fans, who they call rather heads, and sort of say, would you rather do this crazy thing or this crazy thing? And sometimes it's about what's going on in their own lives. Sometimes it's about a wacky stunt. And so every episode is kind of framed around one of their would you rather shows. Mm-hmm. So that's really the anchor of the show is the two of them doing that something.
1: Well, I know from watching the show from my own experience, um, what they do to, the, to their little brother is exactly what <laughs> I would have done to my little brother. You know, because I, I mean, and and every time I got every time he got caught, my mom always looked at me and said, "You're in trouble." I'm like, "Why? I haven't done anything." And then they're like, "She's like, he's no way he knew how to do that. You had to put him up yeah. to it. So I mean, I can kind of relate to that show, and I, you know, Fred's funny because I love I love his relationship with with uh, with the family because it's like, you know, he he's an annoyance, but yet you love him at the same time. <laughs> so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it is funny. It, it's definitely a funny show to watch, and and um, uh. I did like I do like the storyline of it and I think it's a lot of fun what are the kids like because I know you're you're one of the few adults that are actually on the show most of them it's just kids but what 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 are the kids like
2: the kids are great I'm so lucky I get great kids and they have great parents and guardians so um I thank my lucky stars for that every day they're they're I mean professional actor kids. Are pretty mature as a rule because they are working full time and going to school and um, it, it just blows my mind when I think about it. if I'd been doing that at their age I, I don't think I would have been able to pull it off <laughs> they are um, crazy talented uh, funny, smart, hard working kids and we, we get along great and they tear me out, boy um, <laughs> I'm tired enough just doing the acting, the fact that they're going to school whenever they're not you know, act, actually involved in a scene blows my mind. I'll ask them sometimes what they're learning in school, and they'll tell me, and I go, "Oh my God, I don't know how you're juggling all of that in your head."
1: <laughs> I know. What? Why, you know, I love talking to kid actors because I love how they how they're able to pursue their dreams, but yet at the same time, uh, you know, be a kid and take time out to be a kid, go to school and stuff like that, and and do all this at the same time. I mean, it's hard enough for an adult, but I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, they're a kid, and that's just it's phenomenal. I have a lot of respect for that.
2: I know. It blows my mind. They asked me, <laughs> one of them asked me, you know, Rebecca, what was it like when you were, you know, working and going to studio school? And I said, I didn't do that. I went to normal school. I didn't start working until I was 20 or later. I, this this world that you guys are in is incredible to me. And my parents never suggested, like my parents never even floated the idea. I think they were thrilled that I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So out of out of the set, who gives you the most trouble? Is it Cooper Cami?
2: It's Dakota who plays Cooper. Someone someone asked us all who the biggest clown is on set, and everybody said Dakota. He's you know he's a 13 maybe 14 year old boy at this point. Like he's got a lot of energy
1: and uh,
2: uh he's he's the prankster for sure, bouncing off the wall.
1: He looks like he could be a prankster. <laughs> yep,
2: yep, in a good way, in a sweet way. He hasn't done anything yet to get himself in too much
1: to keep your eye on. So tell me what it's like to work for FX and Disney. What what do you like about these companies?
2: I mean, FX is just, so much of what they have is so creative and groundbreaking and, and innovative. It's just, it's it's really exciting. And Better Things is their first live action show with a solo female lead, which is pretty incredible to think about and um, to their credit that they realize they were lacking in that area and made a point of putting something like that on the air because Better Things is really about women and female relationships first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And um, It's one of those things where you didn't realize you were missing it until you see it. You go, oh my god, I've never seen anything like this. How is that possible? Um, So I'm really proud to be a part of that. And then Disney, that was one of the biggest, most famous companies in the world. I actually day-jobbed for Disney for a long time when I was sort of building up my credit. So to be working there now full time as an actor is really kind of things coming full circle and really meaningful for me. And um, it's it's it really is. This is the word that they use, and it feels kind of quaint to say it, but it's it's magical to be a part of that family and to see the look on faces. Yeah. When when you're a part of a Disney project and and that parents feel like they can trust you because it's Disney. True. So that's you know. That's an honor, something impressive
1: to be a part of. Now, quick question about Disney before we go, because I want to, I, I, I was, this was asked to me by somebody else that I was actually at Disney World with, and they said, I don't know if I'd want to work with Disney because it would ruin the magic. Has it, does it ruin the magic, or does it make it more intense?
2: <laughs> um, I, it doesn't ruin the magic. I mean, it's a practical magic. Yeah. It's a flashback to an 80s movie, if anybody remembers that. Um <laughs> you get to kind of see behind the scenes and see how it works. And and that's kind of exciting. We're doing, they just announced um, Disney Channel Fan Fest, which is something they do at um, Disneyland mm-hmm. in California. And we get to be in like a cavalcade of talent down Main Street and kind of be in a Disney parade. Like, how amazing is that? I get to be on a float down Main Street at Disneyland. Like, that doesn't take away from the magic. That is going to make me a princess. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That is magic.
2: How cool.
1: Well, Rebecca, tell everybody where they can watch FX's uh, Better Things and Coop and Cammie's Ask the World. I mean, obviously, it's on FX and Disney. Uh, Do you know exactly when they come out each week, or uh, should they just check their local listing?
2: Uh, Coop and Cammie is on Saturday mornings at 10.30 on Disney Channel, and Better Things is on Thursdays at 10.00. They should check their local listings because, you know, sometimes it airs earlier or East Coast time or whatever. But Thursdays at 10 on FX for Better Things, and Saturday mornings at 10.30 on Disney Channel for Cooper County.
1: Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking with you, and hopefully we'll be able to get you back on and talk about more things that you got coming up, because it looks like you're pretty busy and love to be able to discuss those as well in the future.
2: Yeah, I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun talking to you.
1: You're welcome, and, and congratulations on all the success, and, and we wish you all the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. Alright guys, that was Rebecca Metz from uh, Coop and Cammie's Ask the World on Disney and FX's Better Things and we will be right back after this. We gotta take a commercial break. Don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his Steampunk collection which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props and beautifully elaborate outfits all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling the masks come from a shop at epcot at the italian pavilion where all these photos are on display for you to see this is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career having his work at disney Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czar's. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them.
2: Hey guys, it's Julie Mae Silverstein from Lydia on Bunk, and you're listening to the AME radio show. Won't you
1: All right, everybody, we're back. We've got about a minute, two minutes left before we got to go. I hope that you had a great time with our guest today. I hope you learned a little bit, too. I hope that they showed you some of the brand-new things that they got going on. And I know that they really enjoyed coming on and talking to you. And I hope that you will be inspired by their stories and go out there and try to do something amazing with your life. Because remember, if they can do it, you can do it, too. you just got to believe in yourself a little bit, and you can make things happen. Trust me. I know it because I've done it myself. So, uh, we only have one show this week, and that's okay, because I've been extremely busy. In fact, for the next couple of weeks, we're only going to have one show, so it's going to re- repeat on Friday and Saturday, but we are on both days. And hopefully, in the, in, in, as soon as I get this uh, crazy time under control, I will have more time to do two shows a week again and have four great guests coming on. And you might find that, so just keep checking our website, and we will let you know what's going on with that as well. And um, I know in a couple of uh, weeks, we're, I'm going to be here in Orlando. We're going to go see my friend who's coming down from New Jersey. We are big Disney fans, so we're going to meet him up there. And speaking of Disney, do you know that they're going to be putting a Tron uh, roller coaster behind Space Mountain. This is going to be the most epic roller coaster ever cuz you're sitting on like a motorcycle when you ride it. It's just like the Tron movie. I cannot wait to see it come come to light. I know it's going to be probably about 3 years I think before it's done, but that's one thing I am looking forward to. So I'm going to go see how the progress is going and I'll let you guys know what happens when I get back. Okay, so if you want to find us, we are on AMFM247.com and there're 11 AMFM stations every Friday and Saturday. Friday is at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Saturday is at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are on wklap.com every Friday at 11 a.m. and every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're on Radio Love, that's radio L-U-V.com, every Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also find us on iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, and phoenixbroadcasting.com on demand anytime. Go check that out. The links are on our website. That's all I have for you guys this week. We'll see you again next week. Keep those creatives flowing. Stay safe. And have a good night, everybody. That's the end? We're done. Calm down, people.
2: Calm down. Okay? That's it.